You're listening to the Brown Trout and Bridge Beers Podcast. <laughs> oh, there it is. Decent. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode three of the Brown Trout and Bridge Beers podcast. Pretty good. Pretty good. I uh, hope everybody's enjoying an ice-cold ham's beer while listening to this, unless you're driving or at work, and then it's probably not a good idea. It work's a good idea. Yes. but there work isn't driving. Exactly. Well, you might have heard a um, different voice on the podcast today. Yeah, today we have the one and only Micah Kreider with us. Did I say your name? You did, yeah, you nailed it. All right, good. Well, way to go. A lot of people have a hard time with that first name, but you got it. Uh, so, Micah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into fly fishing? Sure. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, my name is Micah. I live in St. Paul, Minnesota, so just up the road from where we're recording right now. I uh, grew up in Wisconsin, actually, and fished my whole life. Go Badgers. Uh, Go Badgers, actually. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. Um, yeah, so I've been fishing my whole life, a lot of bass and things on spinning gear. And a couple of years ago, I realized that there are trout streams all over the place, not too far from where I live. So I went with my spinning rod and caught my first brown trout uh, on, a, right. on a stream not far from here. And it was actually a pretty nice brown trout. I kind of got spoiled. So my first brown trout ever was actually 26 inches. Uh, on spinning gear, Just quit but right now. yeah, yeah. So I caught a, a big brown trout, and I caught a few more after that on spinning gear. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to fish for trout a lot, I should probably start fly fishing for them. So three years ago, I bought my first fly, uh, fly rod, five weight, kind of the classic fly rod setup, and started fly fishing. And I've kind of been addicted since. So started with trout, kind of migrated to do some bass, some pike. I've uh, caught some saltwater fish and, you know, basically anything that swims, I, I like catching it. So, what, uh, what would you say is your favorite thing to fish for? Favorite thing to fish for? I, I, I still think it's, it's big, big browns are probably my favorite thing to fish for. Um, but lately, this summer, I've been doing some more smallmouth fishing with some of my buddies, and that's a blast. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, pretty much everything that gives a good tug I enjoy, but uh, big browns are definitely number one for now. We all like big brown trout. So today we went fishing. It was a little warm, but we did find some some cool water. Uh, Micah took us to his favorite trout stream, local trout stream. Um, and in the first what two minutes, I fucked up a hook set. Yeah, it happened. I mean, it looked good though. It did look good. Uh, it was probably like a twenty-eight inch brown trout. Right, chasing a twelve-inch. Right. Right. That was chasing your four-inch fly. Right. Um, I have nobody but to blame but myself. I don't think it was your guys' fault. Could have been. Could probably was. Or it could have been the 90-degree heat, sweat on my hands. I think when you went to strip set, your hand just slipped a little bit, and that's that's what it was. I think I saw that. Yeah. It'll happen. But uh, it was pretty quiet after, after Grant's first fish, and then... Uh, we had a couple follows, 
changed a couple locations and saw some fish. Um, I managed to mess up a hook set as well. Yeah, it was a decent day. Fish some new water, which is always fun. Yeah, I would say it's um, and kind of a different fishing technique too. Yeah, very smaller water. Very much smaller water. Um, a lot of upstream um, streamer casting, which yeah. is not something that we usually do. No. Uh, Micah taught us the bow and arrow cast. Which Love is, the bow and arrow cast. Which is fun. Uh, I'd say Mike is probably pro level bow and arrow caster. Yeah, maybe a little bit higher than pro. Yeah, but master. Master, yeah, like a master bow shooter. Master bow caster. Master bow caster. There yeah. it is. <laughs> master bow caster. Like that, that might be the next sticker. Yeah, that could be a sticker. The master bow caster. Hey, you guys got the hang of it pretty quick though. You 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 were flicking some big flies into some little spots. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a great technique to get in those those areas that you never think you could get a fish out of. Um, yeah, I still don't know how we would have got a fish out of most of those places that we. <laughs> those are, those are just problems you worry about once you're hooked up. You know, you just climb over some trees, find some little pockets, flick a big streamer in there. Worst case scenario, a giant fish bites it and breaks you off. Yeah, but, that'd be horrible. You know, yeah, it's always worth a shot though. But we had we had some fun. So, Micah, you said that. Brown trout, big brown trout, are your favorite. And looking at your Instagram, you managed to catch quite a few big brown trout compared to to most people. Would you, what would you attribute that to? Well, I was telling Grant earlier, uh, what, what, what I don't show always on my Instagram is how many hours I put in fishing between those big brown trout. So I think part of, part of you know the success of catching big browns is you know fishing streams that obviously hold those big browns in decently high numbers yeah so you know location is obviously key um and then you know just fishing flies and fishing techniques that uh the big browns are are uh, looking for and being willing to go a whole day like we did today without actually catching anything is also important you know if you if you uh consider a, a bad day when you don't catch fish then big brown trout might not be the best thing for you to fish for um, but you know there's there's lots of guys around that that do catch some some pretty big fish I'm by no means the only one but um, you know fishing with other guys and learning from them techniques streamer patterns exactly. um, you know there's buddies around here I have that are really good at the euro nymphing up big browns and uh, a lot of us just knowing where they're going to be in the water and you know the, the streams to find them um, you do some writing also that I've seen uh, the TU magazine the local TU magazine tell us a little bit about that yeah, you know, I've always enjoyed writing, and uh, for work, I'm in corporate finance, so there's not a whole lot of creativity in that in that field. So the writing and the photography for me is just kind of a, a fun way for me to kind of get that creative side out. And I've always been a, a decent writer. I'm not going to say I'm a, an expert writer by any means, but I enjoy storytelling, and I, I like reading people's uh, stories, especially fishing-related. So I figured, hey, you know, I, I fish a lot, and occasionally there's something that's kind of worth telling. So uh, I do enjoy writing, and... I've made some connections with some people in the TU Minnesota TU um, world and got some things in that in that publication, which has been pretty fun. And uh, yeah, so whenever we go out and do something fun, I, I like to record it and take some photos for it as well. All right, and you have a blog also. What's that called? Yeah, the blog is called the Driftless Flyer. So it's kind of a little play on words there, but um, so it's mostly content that myself and my wife Abigail she writes a little bit on there too. Um, it's just a quick, usually you know, five six minute reads with maybe four or five photos from different outings we like to go out on, and 
yeah, just kind of documents, not only for, for people to read, but also for us. It's kind of like keeping a little journal, sort of, for, uh, for your fly fishing adventures. Right. So you mentioned your wife. She fishes also? She does. Yeah, my wife, Abigail, she fishes quite a bit. Um, I think last year, so I like to record how many times we get out just to, you know, see see just how much time we're wasting on rivers. Um, and I think last year I made it 148, and wow. she was she was in the 80s, so she was she was up there. Pretty good. Um, yeah, so she, she comes out with me a lot. It is kind of nice when your significant other uh, enjoys the hobby you do because that allows you to do it a lot more right. than, than yep. most people. Exactly. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and think about this before you answer, because she might listen to this. Yeah, all right. Who catches the biggest fish? Well, if I'm going to be honest, this year, um, between the two of us, this year she does hold the biggest fish. Uh, she got a 23-inch wow. brown shot earlier this year. So she has me beat by about two inches um, in 2018. So she, she said. Yeah. <laughs> so she does. She has managed to catch some pretty nice fish. So um, I'm just going to be honest and say that she she's holding it this year. Good. Good. So let's talk about setup, rod, reel, line. What's your go-to? You're going out overcast day, six degrees. Sounds it's like the perfect day. day. Sounds like the opposite, opposite, opposite of today. Opposite of today. Yeah. yeah. It's streamer day. Streamer day. What's in your box? So streamer day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm typically throwing an eight weight. Um, you know, you can you can get browns in obviously big browns with five weights and six weights, but I like the eight. Especially when I'm fishing a lot of trees, I like to fish a lot of cover, kind of like we were earlier today. So, you know, if you're fishing a small window and there's a lot of trees or undercut banks that trout can get in, you know, if you hook up, you want to be able to kind of muscle them out of there. So eight weights, definitely what I use. Um, I'm not a big finesse leader guy. So typically I just get, you know, straight 10 pound leader, maybe run four to five feet, depending on water clarity. And then just big streamers, Um, you know, anything that has a profile that pushes some water. Um, you know that four to six inch four to six inch size streamer and yeah i just go out and flip banks and chuck log jams and see what happens yeah and there's a lot of, yeah there's a lot of logs today that we fish. <laughs> yeah i don't think we've uh fished that kind of cover ever no 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 yeah it's a bow and arrow cast fishing yeah. sure is. <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great way to, like we were talking before, find find those pockets of water that you can't drift through. You, no. you can't cast to them because there's 300 trees behind your shoulder. Yeah, I mean, we were fishing stuff today that was two, maybe three strips max, and you're pulling your fly out because it's just, you know, this, a hole the size of a dinner table. So with these big streamers that you're throwing, do you have any favorite patterns you'd be willing to share with the listeners? Well, Colors I, or? Yeah, I mean, I keep it pretty simple. I, I'm, I find something that works and kind of stick to it. So the pattern that I use the most often that I just find pretty easy to tie and versatile is the, uh, the Peanut Envy is, is the name of the pattern. And I, I, yeah. That's a good pattern. It's a good pattern. Yeah, it's pretty easy to tie. It's mostly just marabou, uh, a couple hooks. And, um, you know, the colors, I, I kind of stick to the... Stick to the classic color, so I like having white, olive, black. Um, but white's kind of my go-to. Uh, a lot of people, you know, kind of shy away from white streamers. They let you know a lot of olive and black people out there. But um, I just realized that sounded weird. But <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. And I was like, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Guys that like olive colors <laughs> and out. black colors. Uh, but I actually do enjoy fishing the white. So 
typically I start with a white pattern, see what happens, and if that doesn't work, maybe put on a, a darker color. Yeah, white's always a good color. I mean, some people have the you know bright color or bright day, bright fly, dark day, dark fly, and you know I I typically will fish kind of more muted colors you know brown you know tans browns grays um but i'll definitely throw a white or a yellow on you know if, if nothing else is working and surprisingly you know fish will hit it yeah know? yeah yellow is a good one too and you know i think what i've realized a lot of times fishing these big browns with streamers is you know i'm sure color does matter i think a lot of it has to do though with placement of your fly right you know, and just making those fish angry yeah you know, so if, if a fish is sitting in an undercut bank and you put a big fly in front of his face you know, I, I'm sure there are times where maybe they turn it down because of color, but I think a lot of times it's just an aggression thing. Yeah, because, I mean, they're not eating these these flies because they're hungry. They're eating it because it just, you know, kicked in the door and punched the girlfriend in the mouth, and it just wants to kill it. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're making them angry. You're not, you're, not, uh, you're not feeding them little bugs or anything. No. So you do night fishing as well, correct? Yeah, I dabble. Yeah, I like night fishing. What is your scariest night fishing experience? I mean, I've had a few. Uh, so th there's two that come to mind. There was one time last year, uh, I think it was my friend, uh, Drew and I, we were out fishing and we were in a, it was a stream, kind of a slow moving water stream, kind of dark, obviously dark, but it was, you know, uh, kind of an eerie night almost, you know, a little bit of fog coming off the water. And apparently there was a beaver that lived nearby and the thing swam up probably, I don't know, five, six feet away from us. We have no idea it's here at the moment. Yeah. We're just casting, you know, just, in, you know, enjoying the, enjoying the evening. And all of a sudden the beaver gets its huge tail and just starts smashing the water right next to us, about scaring us out of our waders. Um, so needless to say, we moved on pretty quick after that, A, because we were freaked out. And B, because the trout probably were no longer there as well. Yeah, um, those, those beavers, you, you got to love them. Yeah, I heard, I heard uh, did one of you guys hook into one here? Uh, yes, like yeah. yes, yeah. beavers, are. they put up a good fight. Yeah, if the tug is the drug, you know, beaver might be a good option. It is. Yeah. Uh, Matt's a big fan of the beaver. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a beaver out there that has uh, some pretty cool piercings. Maybe, maybe an earring, even. Yeah, yeah. body piercing, I don't know. He's got that bling. He does. Sure. Another time, another story from night fishing that I guess I don't know if I would say scary, but it was a little eerie. Um, just across the stream from where me and my friend Drew were fishing again, there was a pack of coyotes that must have just had a fresh kill. Ooh. So, you know, we can't see them, and, you know, I know they're not going to hurt you, but when you hear a bunch of coyotes, you know, 20, 30 feet from you just going nuts, it's going on yeah, something. Right. You know, it's a little eerie under the full moon hearing the coyotes going crazy. So, you always have to be a little bit. Uh, I guess you always end up being a little on edge when you're night fishing, but it's a good yeah, time. It's definitely a, a whole nother level of just awareness because you, you can't see anything. So all your other senses are just heightened. And I think Grant several times, you know, he always talks about the pucker factor. Constant, constant pucker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I bet if someone took your your average what heart rate when you're day fishing versus night fishing, it's got to be higher at night. Oh, you know, just definitely. even if you're not consciously freaked out, you're always just a little bit more. You know, you're paying attention even to where you're stepping because yep. you don't know where you are, you don't know what's around you. Yeah. So kind of kind of going along that of all the fish that you've caught, is there one you know whether you you've caught them and landed them or you missed them that. Of all the fish, it just sticks out in your mind, and that's like the one fish that you will always remember. Are you talking about night fishing specifically, or just, just anything? Just um, trout fishing in general. 
Yeah, so I guess recently the the story you know that I that comes to mind recently, I took a trip with my wife Abigail out to uh, Seattle, and we visited my friend Connor. Um, he lives out there, and he took us out fishing. We went and fished in the Cascades. We floated the Yakima and got some some wild rainbows out there, which is really cool. Nice. Um, but the last day we were there, I really wanted a a sea run cutthroat. That was kind of like the you know when you're out in the Northwest, that's kind of the the cool prize fish that you can't really get a lot of other places. Um, so I think they're native only to uh, Northern California up to Alaska. So it was the final morning of our trip. Um, we were flying back to Minneapolis at around noon uh, local time. So we got up at about 4.30, got all of our stuff packed in our suitcases, threw in the back of Connor's truck, and drove out to the Puget Sound. And when we got there, uh, the water levels at the Puget Sound were, the tides were super, super low, uh, which was not what it was supposed to be. So we were a little bit bummed out. Uh, there wasn't hardly any moving water, which isn't, I guess, ideal for these specific fish. So we spent about a good two hours casting into the open water with nothing. Uh, my friend Connor was, you know, kind of thinking that maybe it wasn't our time, it wasn't our day. And with about 10 minutes left in the trip before we had to make it to the airport, um, I casted, you know, 30, 40 feet out stripped in the little streamer that uh, Connor had tied up and bang, you know, I had a hit. And he's standing on the beach. He's probably about 50 to 60 yards away from me. He's actually taking a leak at the time, which is kind of hilarious. So <laughs> so I don't have a net. He has the only net in our group. And I'm hooked up to a fish and it, it was, you know, fighting pretty hard. I, it was about 16 inches, I think. Um, but it's a saltwater fish. So, you know, it was, it was giving me a pretty good, pretty good fight. And I'm sitting here yelling like, Connor, net, net, net. And he's sitting there trying to finish uh, doing his business. And he kind of looks over and realizes, like, holy cow, he actually has a fish on. So he comes running. His waders are unbuckled. He's holding them up, running through this mud, carrying the net. And he, you know, barges into the water. And the fish kind of makes a couple of runs. And he scoops it in the net. And the two of us just started freaking out. You know, I actually have a few pictures on, on my Instagram of us, you know, high-fiving and cheering and yelling just because it was, you know, we kind of defied the odds with the with the tides and with, you know, the, the other uh, scenarios the weather was giving us. So... Um, that fish was really cool, you know, just a wild native, you know, uh, right. sea run cutthroat trout. It even had some sea lice on its back still, so just fresh out of the ocean. Um, so that was probably my most memorable fish uh, recently anyways. Yeah, there's lots of memorable ones. That's just, you know, that's just one of them. I've, you know, got gotten some snook down in Florida that were pretty cool. My I got a, my personal best brown trout last year with my wife out night fishing, 23 inches on the mouse. That was a fun experience to have with her. So a lot of good, a lot of good stories. Yeah, I know the of all the fish that i've caught throughout the years the one that i remember the most is i had i go to i used to go to the bighorn every single april and drove out there you know 12 hours on the road dumped my gear at the cabin and headed straight to the river and it was animal it was it was you know overcast and real light drizzle and kind of cool you know early april the blueing olives were coming off pretty heavy I had caught a couple smaller fish and working my way up through this run and I I looked out over the water and I was following this, this BWO floating down the river and I just saw it go underwater. I didn't see a head come up, I didn't see anything, it just like there was a vacuum and it just sucked this fly under and I thought holy cow there's a big fish right there because the big fish they they won't surface they'll just kind of open their mouth flare their gills and create a vacuum and the the bugs will just you know go under so i changed flies and i you know i tied on a, a fresh size 20 you know blueing olive put that one cast out there and i'm watching my fly 
float down the river, and right as it got to that same spot, boom, down it went. I hooked into a 22-inch rainbow male big kite, you know, hook jaw, and it was a good 15-minute fight to get this fish in, and I got him in, and he was just a slab. And that, I mean, that's, that's the fish that, for me right now, is like the one that I will always remember. So what weight, what weight rod were you using when you caught that one? Uh, four weight. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a little bit of a tug. And the, the tippet, what was the tippet size you brought him in on? Seven max, right? Uh, it was probably six. Wow. That's a pretty impressive fish. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, the whole size 20 fly with a, you know, 20 plus inch fish thing. And yeah, it was a good feeling. Yeah. Did you have someone to help you out with the net? With the net I did, you, I did not. Wow, it, solo it net solo. too. Wow, that's a solo. that's quite the accomplishment. Got it in the net, snapped a couple pictures, and let him go. Grant, I think you. I mean, I think it was maybe mentioned in the last podcast, but what would you say yours is? Is it the, what, the most recent or uh, the musket was fun, but I think last year finally getting a what I thought was a big brown trout, the eighteen when we're down in southeast Minnesota. Same thing, hitting the banks, two strips, and game on. Just one of those fish you don't think you're actually going to land and you finally get in the net. That's probably my favorite. The muskie was fun, but it's brown trout fishing. Yeah. Brown trout. It's yeah. more fun. <laughs> brown trout and bridge beers. You know, a lot of times I think it, the, some of the stories, it's just who you're with when you catch those fish too that kind of add to it. You know, yeah. Whether it's you know a significant other or a really good friend of yours that kind of helps, you know, helps in the excitement. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of it, and we've you know we've touched on that before. It's you know we fished a good six seven hours today. Didn't put a fish in the net, but had a blast. Had a blast. Three yeah. guys hanging out, eating hot dogs, drinking uh, beer, drinking beer, hot dogs, bridge beers. But I mean that's what it's all about, just having a good time. So we do have some questions uh, from our friends on Instagram from Justin Carf. Are straws an acceptable material to use? For his dries when the trout are sipping flies. Well, you know, Justin Karf, uh, you know, I, I've met him a time or two. I've actually tied a fly or two with him. Uh, you know, I think that man can pretty much turn anything into a fly. So uh, I think what, what I would say to that is if he can tie me a good fly with a straw, I'll fish it. Sounds like a challenge, Justin. You, you better get up on that. There you go, Justin. Uh, we got MC Bowser. Uh, I think that's how your Instagram handle is. What's better, Wisconsin or Minnesota trout streams when coming from the cities? Oh, when coming from the cities. Well, keeping distance in mind. Keeping distance in mind. Okay. Well, gosh, they're both so good, and, they're, and they both kind of have pros and cons. So if you're from the cities, you know, Wisconsin has a lot of really good quality trout water, a lot of um, opportunities for having, you know, big fish days. Uh, you know, maybe putting 20 to 40 fish in the net uh, on certain occasions. I like Wisconsin for a lot of the brook trout fishing. Um, Minnesota, Minnesota is great too. Uh, in general, though, I think Minnesota streams are generally a little bit further away. Uh, you know, if you really want to get to the heart of the Minnesota driftless area, you're going to have to go probably an hour, hour and a half ish yeah. a lot of times. Whereas, you know, Wisconsin, you can kind of drive across the border and you're already, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes from a lot of trout streams. Yeah, you're hopped in and you're fishing pretty fast. If hams isn't available, what is your favorite bridge beer? Bridge beer? Oh, whatever's cold and ready to go. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of, it, it varies. You know, I, I'm, I like to mix things up a little bit, but <laughs> Sorry. hams was a good option today. That's for sure. The dog's going to town on it. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if listeners, you hear this, that. <laughs> 
Uh, Winston the dog is currently destroying a buffalo horn. Yeah. I think it's a water buffalo horn. It is. If you have a dog, buffalo horns are the way to go. I think Winston would agree. Yeah. I I think he's having a hell of an evening over there destroying that. So who do you rep for? Um, You know, I... I fish uh, Walton Rods. He's a, a small company out of Indiana. Um, all handmade American uh, rods. I fish them a lot. And then I like, uh, there's some local kind of driftless area brands that I, you know, I, I've met people and I, I enjoy their products. So the Old Pros Brothers, the guys down out of southern Wisconsin, they make the yeah. uh, the Dragonfly rod holders. Always a, a good tool to have on your epic, your belt. epic beards. Yeah, epic beards, they're, yeah. They're probably like top. There's how many of them? Three? Three. And they those three guys have like the top they're in the top five beards of yeah. all. So time. if you're ever fishing if you're ever fishing the driftless and you see these three dudes which is massive beards, go up to them and ask them if you can have a dragonfly. I'm sure they probably have one on them for you. And then uh, there's a guy here in Minneapolis I like that uh, makes some pretty cool nets. Dead drift nets, uh, Joe. He he makes uh, some really, really beautiful nets almost to the point where you don't want to use them, but uh, yeah, they're they're handy. Thankfully, I've had to use mine a time or two. But. That's, that's good. And so I, typically every episode I have a rant. And my rant tonight leading into your – or coming off your, your net thing is, is net. Carry a net, people. <laughs> I mean, I see more people struggling to land fish without a net – and especially when you've got that fish of a lifetime on. I mean, so many fish are lost right at your feet. Carry a net. It's better for the fish because as you're trying to get your hooks out, the fish can be in the net, in the water. Um, and then, you know, you can get your hook out, fish is in the water, and you get your buddy ready with the camera, the fish is in the net, in the water, and you just lift it up, take a couple pictures, and back in the river he goes. So... There's my rant for tonight. Carry a net. And you don't have to go and spend $300 out of that. No, I mean, you no. can get decent nets for like 30 40 bucks. 30 40 bucks with the rubber webbing in it. Yeah. Rubber webbing is going. key. Rubber webbing get, is key. Get a fish-friendly basket. Yeah. You know. That and, you know, those old nylon ones that you grandpa probably has laying around. Your hooks are going to get caught in it. It's just going to be a complete mess, and it's really bad for the fish. Yeah, so get a net and use it. Don't be stupid. Buy a net. Yeah. We didn't have to use one today, but we were prepared with three nets. We we had three nets. Yeah, Yeah. just in case. I feel like August is that month, too, where, like, every small town has their, like, hometown festival. So when you go fish a river, you know, like last weekend I was down in southern Minnesota uh, fishing a river, and that town had their festival, which I didn't know. So we show up to the town. And there's hundreds of people, hundreds of cars. There's tubes floating everywhere in the river. And we're basically like, well, let's go find something else to fish because yeah. the river is just covered in uh, tubers that, let's just say, weren't in the, weren't, weren't very sober. We'll Not today. Not today. If you're, if you're a tuber or a kayaker and you come up on a fly fisherman, do me a favor. Don't go where my rod is. Go around <laughs> it. Or... Here's a thought. Paddle backwards for a little bit. Give me a little time. Or don't stop and flip your kayak over and have me come out and drag you out of the water. Yeah, that's always fun. 
And you can spare us and ask, you know, don't ask us, are you catching anything? You know, it's kind of the, the classic question. Yeah, as they we were. Right over your hole. We were. Yeah, we were. Splashing and, you know. But the river is for everybody. The river so is we, get, we have to share. So, Micah, do you have any trips coming up? Yeah, so uh, actually next weekend, my wife, uh, Abby, and I were heading out west. We're going to Jackson, Wyoming. Um, Jackson's a good place to fish. So I hear. I've actually never been west of the Black Hills. Really? So I guess with, with the exception of Washington. So I've been to Washington right. State. Um, I, I think I've been to like 27 states, and none of them are in that western region. So Are you driving or flying? We are driving, so we're going to spend 17 quality hours in the car together, uh, which is Good. pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of spoiling myself and renting a brand new truck. Hey, uh, nothing wrong so, with that. So, you know, currently, you, you saw my truck today. It's a 1997 uh, F-150. It's, you know, it's still chugging just fine, but I uh, didn't, didn't know if I quite wanted to put it through the 17-hour uh, one-way trip to Wyoming. So. It's, a, it's a lot of miles. I've made that drive several times. Yeah, so I hear you're... Uh, your, let's just say uh, your your truck kind of made me think a little bit when you pulled up next to me this morning. <laughs> Previous to this, you hadn't driven farther west than the Black Hills? Yeah, so I guess I've been to Washington State, but I've never okay. been to like that Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, right. kind of that mecca of trout fishing. I've never been. So. You, you'll be spoiled. You'll be spoiled. I um, hope so. Shameless yeah. plug, though, for one of the local fly shops. Yes. Um, Bob Mitchell's fly shop is actually putting on a uh, Black Hills trip. First week of October? Yeah, it's end of September, October-ish. Yeah. Check their website. They'll have a calendar and a link and all that fun stuff. That you yeah, have. I think it's three or four days, guided fishing, sleep in a sweet cabin, uh, drinks, food provided. You've been on one of their trips before. I have been on one of their trips. Uh, we did the Troutastic Journey. Yes. Uh, good times. Um, but yeah, just call... Call Bob Mitchell's Fly Shop for more details on that. And, uh, and their guide is a, he's a South Dakota guru. And I think he, he grew up there, didn't he? Uh, Brett. Yes. Maybe? Was uh, it Brett? No, well, I think Brett and then uh, Evan. Evan. Evan's out there, yeah, too. Yeah, Brett and Evan. Both running I think Evan even guided out there for yeah. a while. Could be. The Black Hills is underrated, I will say. It is. Uh, I mean, I've seen some fish come out of there that is like, wow. Yeah. And it's not that far from, from here. No. I mean, eight hours and you're out there in... South Dakota. I think a lot of people drive right through it, which I will be doing next week to get to, you know, Wyoming, Montana. And, you know, obviously Wyoming, Montana are awesome. Yep. Uh, but if you ever find yourself driving out there, definitely make a pit stop. And even just right in Rapid City, that area, you can find a lot of really nice trout. Mm -hmm. Rapid City's fun. Um, Ashley and I stopped in Spearfish Canyon. Oh, beautiful. Uh, back in June, uh, right on a trout stream, I think Spearfish Creek. But yeah, Brett put us on some nice spots to find some fish and yeah, it's a beautiful area. And it kind of cuts, at least from people in Minnesota and Wisconsin, it's kind of like that halfway point yeah. heading out west. So. I mean, it's nine hours, eight, yeah, eight, eight, eight nine, nine hours. hours from here, so that's not too bad at all. And all you know, there's brook trout, brown trout, and rainbow trout, all pretty quality fish out there, too. Yeah, good size, too. And one thing you got to watch out for, well, I'm not going to say this is like a rampant problem out there, but what I didn't remember when I was fishing the Black Hills is that cougars are a thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> wait, hold on. The animals? <laughs> I was referencing the animals, okay. but right, judging by your face, you were, you were thinking something else. Yeah. Um, All right. So just another real quick story. We were, we were night fishing out in uh, the Black Hills, and we were walking. We were just finishing up. We had about a quarter-mile walk back to the truck alongside this high cliff. And we, we're not certain what it was, but there was an animal on top of this cliff 
uh, too big to be like a raccoon, too small to be a deer. And it just kind of followed us that whole walk along that quarter mile to our truck, just followed us right on top of that cliff. And when we got back to the truck, uh, I didn't actually notice it, but my wife did, but we think the story is it's a cougar. I don't know if it actually was, but hey, um, if it, if it makes a better story, yeah, I mean it made a good story. But I I forgot, you know, I'm not I'm not in the driftless anymore. There's there's animals out here that might want to eat me. Right. Well, don't forget about the Sasquatch and the driftless, though. There is a Sasquatch. We we, we looked for him today. We did. Um, he he does like to come out if you do the night fishing thing. Yeah, I didn't see any signs of the squatch today. Probably too hot for him, like it was the other night. Right. Yeah, he's like, fuck this. It's too hot. It's too hot. I want AC. I'm gonna sit on the couch, put my feet up, Netflix and chill. Netflix and chill <laughs> with the Sasquatch. Yeah. Maybe with these cooler months coming up, you guys will find some more evidence. Could be. I mean, I was fishing Rock Creek a few years ago, and I remember there was like a real steep cliff right behind me, and I was fishing this spot, and you know, you kind of get those moments where like the hair on the back of your neck stands up, and it just doesn't quite seem right, and you know, I, I just had that, that funny feeling, and I'm like, mm, I think it's time to go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a Sasquatch that was in, in South Dakota, and I didn't know it. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. I think they have, I mean, they've got sightings of them across the country. Um, but yeah, pretty prevalent in the Driftless area. I like those trout streams. The trout and the wine country. Yeah. They're big fans of that. All right, Micah, you're in the Driftless. It's lunchtime. You got to eat. Where are you going? Well, man, so this is going to, I'm kind of going to answer your question in a different way. So, lunch, when I'm fishing, Lunch, it doesn't usually happen. It's, it's one of those things I'm sure other people have experienced, it, right? While you're fishing, you don't think about being hungry. Right. So you just fish until dark naturally because that's what us addicts do. And you're fishing, you're fishing. Maybe you'll slip in a beef jerky here or there or something. I'm a big cliff bar. Cliff thing. bar. Those are good. Cliff yeah, bars are good. Cliff bars are good. Um, so lunch is usually a cliff bar or beef jerky. And then you get back to your truck and you kind of take all your stuff off and you realize, wow, I'm starving. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to go to... Usually I drive into the small town that I'm fishing, wherever it is, find a place that looks local, but not too local, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there was one time, this is another short story, my wife and I were fishing, and I'm like, you know, let's go to the local spot, let's support some local people. So we pull up, I'm trying to remember what town it was, it was some small town in Wisconsin, not not too terribly far away. We get to this this uh, like kind of bar and grill looking place, we walk in, and it's one of those where you walk in and everyone stops talking and kind of looks at you. Yeah, you're not from around here. You're not sounds from like around Wisconsin. Here. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like Wisconsin. Yeah. And like, no one asked us, you know, hey, how's it going, or can I help you? We just stood there for 30, 40 seconds without anything happening. Right. Um, so then we went to a, another another place we knew better. So. If, if any random like bar or restaurant is listening to this in small towns, if some fly fishermen walk in, you know, be nice to them. Yeah, we are just trying to support local. Yeah, we just want to eat. Yeah, we just want to eat and drink your beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. you so, better hands on tap. Yeah. Now, if we walk in with soaking wet waders, you can probably look at us a little sideways. Right. Fly fishermen, don't go into people's restaurants wearing your your dirty uh, take your boots muddy, off. Yeah, take your boots take off. Take your boots off. Take your waders off. Um, but restaurant owners, you know, if we're not from around here, we're going to your place on purpose because we want to, you know, get get some get some food because we're hungry. We've been fishing all day. Right. In August, everything just freaking grows as tall as your head, and things you fished like two months oh, ago. This, this year, that stuff was as tight as your head in July. Yeah. Yeah. First part of July. Yeah. 
We didn't even have a spring. No, because no, we, we got like a ton of rain. Like every week it rained like three inches. It went from 15, let's see, we got what, 16, I think, inches of snow, at least in St. Paul, on what, April 15th. Yeah. And I think on April 25th or whatever, it was like 80 degrees. Yeah. yeah my buddy had a wedding in Bloomington. It took us an hour and a half to drive there that oh, night. Yeah, I remember that. Of the snowstorm? Yeah. Oh, the, man. That day. That was rough. Minnesota, I tell you, you can't. The weather, you know, six months ago, seven months ago, I was fishing in 15 degrees and, you know, mm-hmm. just can't win. Well, in... 30 days, we could have snow. Yeah, definitely. I've seen it. It's bad. Sorry, right, though. But come to the Driftless. It's a cool area. And fish muskies. And yeah. Fish muskies. Don't fish my streams. So, yeah. Here's something for everybody listening. If you're a muskie fisherman, you should be getting off the trout streams in about 30 days. And stay off of them. Yeah. Until the season ends. Yeah, because muskie fishing really picks up. Really picks up. Um, you're going to find those big girls out there. So stay off the trout streams, stick to your muskie fishing. And hunters, uh, you know, it's getting that time where you're going to want to spend some time sighting in your bow and getting all that stuff ready. So, you know, trout fishing, you know, it's, it's, it's not really any good right now anyway. And for the rest of the year, just focus on the hunting. It's really what you should be doing. Have you guys ever thought about wearing uh, blaze orange while you trout fish in October? Because there's some times where I'm fishing public land and I'll literally walk up and be like, there's a well, hunter right there. Yes. Um, I have a story. Oh, <laughs> um, so small game opens in September. Yes, and I was fishing um, the Root River system down in southeast Minnesota, and I was in the river, and the banks were kind of high on either side, and all of a sudden I start hearing guns going off. Well, there was two hunters on one side of the river shooting squirrels on the other side of the river right over the top of me so (laughs) some type of blaze orange is kind of a good idea Uh, i did let these two gentlemen know how much i did not appreciate them (laughs) shooting squirrels over the top of me Um, i think the language barrier might have prevented them from understanding what i was saying but i think they got the gist of it Um, and they didn't uh, hunt over the top of me anymore. Speaking of safety first, let's talk about stinging nettles. Stinging nettles are not the best. They're the the opposite of best. They are not number one. They're no. Yeah, number one. Stinging nettles. Not number one. Not number one. (laughs) So, uh, Sims or any outdoor company, if you're listening right now, if you could develop a pair of pants that do not allow stinging nettles to come through and destroy me. Yes. That's a genius idea. I have emails. I will, I will pay hundreds of dollars for that. Yes. I, Sims has an email of mine on file. They should have it on file. Of like the double layer front guide pant. You know, like the Carhartt logger pants with, you know, two layers. Or like you know, the Upland, uh, yeah. Upland hunting pants with extra. Something to keep your legs from just being destroyed by this vicious plant. And they, they kind of sneak up on you. you know, you're walking through a field, you kind of forget that there's nettle around, and all of a sudden, just bang! Just like that. Just like that. Just like bang. that. Bang! Oof. Yeah. It's amazing what just a tiny little leaf, you just brush up against that, yeah. man, that... Man, it just burns. You won't forget it. Nope. And, th- and this is my first summer wet wave. I've been thrashing around these streams for the last five years. Didn't know the stuff was Oblivious. there. Oblivious. Oblivious to it. 
You just been sweating the whole time. Yeah. I like sweat. <laughs> uh, it's Grand's weight loss program. It is. Uh, if you guys are looking to do it, buy some G Force and just walk around with 90 degrees outside. Yeah. What waiting definitely has its pros and it definitely has its cons. It's one of those kind of deals. Yeah. One other thing, just a public service announcement: if you do start wet waiting. Um, when you get home and you take a shower, always look for leeches. Yeah. Because there has been a lot of times where I'll get home from a you know a nice wet waiting session, and I'm in the shower and I'll you know I pull a leech or two off my calf. So just just to you know, don't go to bed without showering if you're wet waiting. Good good. To know. And and another another uh, to add on to that, I learned from my friend the other weekend. If you do have a leech on you, you know you could pull it off. Uh, but another thing, I guess apparently salt. So if you Bingo. Get, yes. If you salt get some works. salt, yeah. It was amazing. Just you sprinkle some salt on there and the leech just falls right off. Really? Yeah. So there's I, some, there's a, you learn something in, in this podcast. I have not had a leech. Grant and I have talked about this. Uh, ticks. Anybody mm. ever get a tick while fishing? Not in Gore-Tex. I have not either. I have not gotten one what waiting. Knock on wood. But uh, what about you, Micah? You know, surprisingly, I'm kind of with you. I don't find too many ticks. I no. mean, it's weird because yeah. the stuff I walk through, I'm like, right, there's going to be a tick on me. There has to be. Constantly thrashing through brush. Yeah. Those are not ticks out there. Head high grass and weeds and nettles and never a tick. Right. And it's every month. You know, it's not like, you know, spring, fall, right. summer. We're doing this. So it's, yeah. it, it, you know, like I said, now we're all going to go uh, after this podcast and find a deer tick on us. But Probably. We'll all yeah. die of Lyme disease. Lyme disease is not that bad. It's fine. It feels like you got hit by a semi truck. They give you some antibiotics. Ten days, you're fine. If you catch it early. If you catch it early. If you catch it, don't catch it early. Um, Bad things do yeah, happen. You'll have yeah. a lifetime of pain. Check for leeches and ticks. Yeah, check for ticks. Apparently, there's these like fancy gadgets for like removing ticks, or you just right. burn them off. Burn them. Yeah. yeah. That's good. If you see a tick, let it on fire. Public service announcement. Just destroy it. All right, Micah, uh, why don't you remind our listeners again of your Instagram handle and your uh, blog URL. Yeah, so my Instagram handle is pretty straightforward. It's my name, uh, Micah Kreider. There's an underscore in between the two. but uh, So, yeah, we're Micah Kreider and then my, my wife, Abby. Lots of big fish on there. Well, big fish. Yeah, I mean, if, you might have to scroll back a ways for the big fish. Kind of lately I've been getting a little bit more into, like, the... The photography that's kind of more, uh, you know, like someone walking or someone tying on a fly or that kind of thing. But there's there's definitely some big right. fish mixed in. Um, so, yeah, I'm Micah Kreider. Uh, my wife, Abigail Kreider, have the same kind of Instagram handle. Um, and then, yeah, we have that blog, The Driftless Flyer. Nothing too mind-blowing there. Just kind of some stories and some pictures yeah. that we take. Well, that's good. We appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you for taking us up fishing today. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, with a blast. Uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Also, we'd like to thank our listeners out there for listening. Um, we'd like to thank Winston for barking in the background. You know, So if you guys are out there listening to the podcast, uh, give us a comment, a like, a follow, share with your friends, not your mom and dad. But yeah, Unless they fish. Unless they fish. And they're cool. And they drink hams. And hams, again, I'm going to say this for the third time, sponsor us. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely drink your beer and give you a shout out. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. It was a... It's yeah. a good time. Yeah, thanks, I, thanks I for of, fishing. Thanks for coming fishing. on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. Tight lines. See ya. Bye. Podcast.